0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning and welcome to Passion Life Church this morning. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. It is going to be a great day. I want to encourage you to get rid of every distraction this morning. This morning, we're going to have church. I believe that God is going to do miracles in this time together. So I just want you to eliminate all the distractions. I want you to get a pen or if you have your smartphone, get ready to take some notes. Because I believe God is going to do a work in us today. Listen, if you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. You know, our vision is that people would know God, that they would grow in their faith, that they would discover their purpose. Why? So they can go make a difference. That's what we're all about, making a difference in your life and the life of our community. So thanks for joining us. We would love to connect with you today. And it's simple. All you have to do is take out your smartphone and you can text the word CONNECT to 951-382-5757. And uh, we'd just like to know that you're watching uh, today. And I, I just honestly believe that God has a word for us today. How many of you believe that? We are continuing this series. God is our shepherd and our friend. Turn to Psalms chapter twenty-three. Psalms chapter twenty-three. You know we're going to read that in just a moment, but um, I think there's no time like the present that we need to apply these scriptures. You know to our life. You know Psalm twenty-three uses a shepherd as an illustration of God's relationship with us, how God relates to us, and a shepherd is a leader. He's a leader and he leads his sheep. He provides for his sheep, right? He protects his sheep. And, you know, it's interesting because we're going into an election season. Come on. I hope you are voting or have not. If you haven't voted that you do vote, you need to vote. But we're going into this election season. And I love it because America now is very conscious of leadership right? We are looking who is going to lead us. We get a say, we get to vote and we are realizing, right? More than ever, the quality of our lives will reflect the leader that we choose. <clears throat> Let me say that again. We are realizing that the quality of our life is going to reflect the leader that we choose. That's why I have chosen Jesus to be my shepherd. You and I have a leader. You know, this week I was just lifting up my hands and I was thanking God that I have a leader, a good shepherd. You know, he's the perfect leader. Come on. Can you say a good amen? He's the perfect leader. He's a leader that we can put our trust in today. Yes, we can put our trust in today. And I love it because he's perfect. You know, he's strong, but yet he's compassionate. Come on. Say a good amen. You know, he's just, but at the same time he is forgiving and he's all knowing he's all powerful. He sees all come on. That's our God, that is our shepherd, but we've got to make him personal. Like David says in Psalm 23, and I'm so thankful that we have a leader that we can follow. His name is Jesus. Have you found Psalms 23 yet? Come on. I want us to read this together. I want you to read it aloud as a statement of faith in your life. Are you ready? Psalm 23 verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I just feel better after I read that. You know, today. I want to focus on verse three, where David says, he restores my soul. Now, when he's talking about his soul, he's talking about his mind, will, and emotions. And so I want to ask you today, how's your soul? How are you doing mentally in all of this? You know, it really matters how you're doing, how your soul is doing. And I believe that what we're going to talk about today is going to help. And I believe also that some of us, Today, that you're watching, you need a miracle in your mind. And I believe that God can do that. But you know what I love about what David is saying? He's saying, not only is this good shepherd my provider, right? Not only is he my protector, but he also restores my soul. When I mess up, come on, somebody, when I fail, he picks me up. And here's what I wanna talk about today I wanna to talk about four stages. To restoration, four stages to restoration. You know, King David wrote Psalm 23 and he had a lot of struggles with his soul. Yeah, man, if you read through the Psalm, some of the things that he writes, you just go, Wow, he pours out his soul. And that's what I love about David. David was called a man after God's own heart. But I want to give us some hope today because David had struggles, he struggled, he was tormented. In his soul, come on, if you ever know what that feels like, man, that is really tough. You can identify with David, but even as a young child, do you remember he was rejected? Samuel came to his house. To anoint the new king of uh, the new king of Israel, and you know what happened is they didn't even call David. He was rejected, right? So man, that'll do something to you. And then David he gets anointed, and then later on his life becomes king. He kills Goliath, right? And what happens? Saul is jealous of him, the king, and so the king tries to kill him. He wants David dead. He, David's struggle in his soul. Do you remember when David was a king and then he had an affair? Do you remember that? And then not only did he have an affair, but then uh, he put Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, at the front lines so he would be killed. Isn't that just like what sin does? Sin always takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it makes you pay more than you wanted to pay. He probably never thought of that, that a simple affair would lead to all of these things. But he struggled. He was tormented in his soul. And then what happened? The child that he had with Bathsheba died. You know, I want you to listen to how David describes the state of his soul. You can read it in Psalm 42, verse 3. He says, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. Verse five. Why are you downcast? O my soul. That word. Cast down means depressed in the Hebrew. And he says, why are you depressed, O soul? Why are you disquieted? In other words, that word disquieted in the Hebrew means stirred in commotion. It actually means at war. He says, so why are you at war within me? Ooh, man, this is pretty deep. And then he says this, hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon. You know, it's an interesting thing that David is going through, and many of us can be going through that right now. But I want to tell you, there's a battle for your life. You know, the Bible says that The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. But watch this. The battle for your life is going to happen in your mind. (laughs) It's going to happen in your mind. David is making us aware that there's a battle going on in our mind. You know, we think about twenty to 30,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot of thoughts. And I wonder within those thoughts, how many of those are thoughts of Worry, maybe anxiety, thoughts of you thinking how you're rejected, you haven't been accepted. You know, I wonder how many of those thoughts are faith and believing in the impossible and miracles. But I think it's important that we take an inventory of the thoughts that are in our mind. Because I actually believe that negative thoughts can be our greatest cause of unrest, Psalm 23 is about having God's rest in your life, being at peace because he is the good shepherd. But here's what I love about David. Even though that his soul is being tormented and he's struggling, he is saying, he's telling his soul, soul, listen, you got a hope in God. I love this because David is actually talking to himself. You know, I, I think you're weird if you don't talk to yourself. All of us do it. But what are you saying to yourself? What is that self-talk? Well, David's saying, look, I got a battle going on in my mind, but here's what I'm saying. Soul, he's addressing his soul. You better hope in God. And then he says in another part of the scriptures, he says, I will bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. Look, that's everything. That's the good, the bad, all that is within me. David is like, I'm going to bless His holy name. Now, we can have hope in God today because David, here's what he's saying. He's saying, even though all of this depression, even though I was at war with my soul and all of these things I experienced lost, here's the reality. God, you can restore my soul. See, the truth is, is that a lot of us have experienced loss in these moments. I know people who experience loss of family members, the loss of their job, experience loss, and you need restoration. And David is reminding us that God restores. Isn't this good today? Now, I wanna share with you the stages of restoration because I want us to believe that God is gonna restore what was lost. Come on, can you believe that today, that God can restore? What is lost? Well, here's number one that I think we have to realize in order for restoration to happen, number one, there had to be a redemption. There had to be a redemption. This is God making restoration possible to you because he redeemed us. Oh yeah, he redeemed us. You know, way back when you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you know, God told them, Here's what's going to happen. This is the result of your sin. Genesis 3.19, it says, By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat. Now, this refers to the stress, the struggle, and the anxieties that come with working hard but producing little. Man, that's tough to be in that situation where you're really working hard, but it's not producing what you need. Now, there are many people who are working hard But they're still lacking, right? Now, let me ask you a question. If hard work is the formula for prosperity, then everyone who's working hard would be prosperous, correct? Now, let me just tell you this. I'm not advocating laziness. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I want you to understand, before the fall of man, God gave Adam a job in the garden, naming the animals, taking authority, guarding the garden. But watch this. There was no anxiety and worry attached to his job. This was before the fall. But then when Adam and Eve messed up, this is what God was saying. Now you're going to have to work for your food, but you know what? It's going to, become from, it's going to come with the sweat of your brow. In other words, there's going to be labor. That's what sweat represents. It represents labor in our life. And that is a part of the curse. So when Adam and Eve sinned, a curse was released. Right. And uh, what represents that curse is you and I laboring and there being a sweat and a toil and not being able to meet our needs. I don't want to live under that curse. Now, the curse is in the earth. But here's what I love. Jesus came to redeem us from that curse. Come on. Put an amen in the chat today, because how did he redeem us? Because redeeming means to buy back. So God bought us back. How did he do that? By sending his son, by paying the price of his son, he redeemed us back to himself so we can be redeemed and we can be free. So watch this. I think this is so amazing. So the first Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, what did they do? They messed up. They sinned, right? But the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam or the last Adam. Let's say it that way. And so when Jesus came, the second Adam, watch this, he came to redeem us, and that would be through the process of crucifixion. But what I find interesting is that every part of Jesus' crucifixion was strategic. Yeah, it was strategic. Do you remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane? He starts to feel the weight, right, of the sin. And he knows that he's going to the cross, right? And he asks, and he says, God, can you take away this cup from me? Not my will, but your will be done. You know, the Bible says that he was praying with such agony. You know, that actually means that Jesus was having severe mental struggles. Severe mental struggles. But watch this. The Bible says because of the stress and the weight. You say, Pastor Phil, why did he have to go through that? He went through that so we could be redeemed from that curse. Come on, somebody. So watch this. He began to sweat. But the Bible says he began to sweat drops of blood. His capillaries begin to break in his forehead. Watch this. And the blood began to, sh- to shed. His blood began to pour out from his forehead. Watch this. The first place that Jesus' blood was shed was in a garden, right? The first Adam messed up in a garden. The second Adam redeemed us in a garden. And the first place that Jesus bled from for his crucifixion going into it was from his head because he knew that you and I would need redemption in our soul. Oh, come on somebody, in our soul. And this is our good shepherd. He lays down his life for his sheep, but that's not it. The part of this crucifixion would be that they would take the crown of thorns and put it in his head and it would cause more blood. You know, his head was the first place that Jesus bled. Pastor Phil, why would he do that? This is why he did that. He did that so every curse that was supposed to fall on your head would fall on Jesus's head. Why? So you and I could be redeemed. Why? Our mind could be redeemed. Man, that is strategic. Come on, come on, put a little clap emoji in in the chat today. Man, you and I are redeemed. But Jesus specifically wanted us to know that he redeemed our mind. Watch this. He wore a crown of thorns so you and I could wear a crown of glory. Man, I feel God's presence on this. And that crown of glory would set us free from fear, from depression. Come on, the curse anxiety, uh, guilt and shame and stress. And so the first part before we are experienced uh, restoration in our life, I want you to know this. There had to be a redemption and Jesus did it for us. Oh, come on. I feel like we need to take a praise break for a moment and just praise him and thank him for our redemption. Amen. Now, here's number two right? This is the next stage of restoration is repentance. This means you change your mind. That's what repentance means. So Jesus redeemed us, but now the ball is in our court, right? We have to make a change in our mind. Now, when we talk about restoration, really restoration denotes that something was lost in our life. That something was lost and has to be brought back. You know, maybe some of you watching, you've, you know, uh, you wanted some of your furniture to be restored. A lot of people, a lot of guys like to restore cars or motorcycles. And some people are into restoring, restoring houses, you know. And right now, I think one of the biggest things that we're seeing on TV is a lot of shows, right, like Fixer Upper that are restoration type shows. And one of my favorite shows. Is Restaurant Impossible. And it's a show about restoring restaurants to success. I love it. And what happens is a lot of these restaurants that are failing, they call world renowned chef Robert Irvine. Now, he's a success. He's a restaurateur, he's worldwide, he's he's known as a chef, and he comes in and they call him. Now sometimes the owners don't call him, sometimes other people do. Sometimes the owners are a little too prideful to admit that they need a change and they're failing, but somebody will call them and say, hey look, my friend needs help or sometimes it's a family member my 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 dad needs help. He's running this restaurant and he's failing and some of these restaurants only have about a month or two to stay open. They only have the financial capital to be able to be open, you know, two more months and here comes Robert Irvine. But you know what's interesting is that he always comes in and he finds out, Hey, What is going on here? What is the problem? And you know what? He always traces the problem back to a wrong mindset. The owners have a wrong mindset. That's why they're failing. They don't know their customers, right? Uh, they they, They think they know what's best for the business, even though they're failing. But watch this. But in order for Robert Irvine to bring about a restoration in that restaurant, And in order for it to be successful, he has to bring about changes. This is the repentance part. See, repentance means to change your mind. Listen, you cannot have restoration without repentance. Whoa, we can't. We can't have restoration without repentance. See, a lot of us would love to have restoration in our marriage, But that means there has to be a change. You know, we can't expect to experience restoration and think the same way we've always thought. The very thought and truth of restoration means a change from the old. Come on, somebody. There's got to be a change in our thinking. We've got to change our mind. Now, repentance isn't just a, well, you know, I'm sorry, a sorrowful type emotion. Some people are sorry just because they get caught. Come on, somebody. And you can be sorry, get caught, and never change your mind about what happened. Yeah. But you know, what repentance does is repentance changes your mind and attached to it is action, a changed action. So many of us may be believing for restoration in certain areas of our life, but I want to tell you, this is where the repentance stage comes in. There's got to be a change. Maybe you're believing for a restoration in your marriage. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to have God change you? Because, see, a lot of times we're like, you know, God change my spouse, change my husband. Whoa, you know, that's easy for us to make and decide that they need to change. But repentance says, God, change me, change my mindset. Because this mindset got us to where we are today. So I need to repent. I need to say, God, I'm willing to change. God, change me. I want to repent. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter two, verse four, it says, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. You know, there's that word lead again. (laughs) You know, the David says, he leads me, right? He leads me to still waters. He leads me to green pastures. That is a decision of the will to allow change to happen. I see God's goodness. When you think about your marriage in the goodness of God, in the will of God, what it should look like, that leads you and causes you to say, I need to change. You know why? Because that is better than what I'm experiencing now. Do you like the results that you're seeing in your life? Well, you know, Pastor Phil, no, I don't. Well, there needs to be a change. And restoration can only happen when we decide to have repentance and say, God, I need to change. You know much like restaurant impossible what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll start taking out all the old furniture because they want to restore this restaurant they want to bring it success and so they start taking out all the old decor sometimes they're taking paintings off the wall you know and it's kind of funny because sometimes the owners are like no i don't want to take that out it you know it has sentimental value to me and robert irvine and his team and they're taking everything out and sometimes they're crying but you know what The change is necessary, and this is what happens in our life. We've got to get rid of the old thinking so we can get God's thinking in our life. we got to get it out. Now, I'm going to tell you, you may go, why is this so important as we're talking about our soul? It's so important because your life will not change until you change your mind. Your mind has to change first. You know, when you think about it, everywhere you go, your mind goes there first. Come on somebody. This is good this morning before you go anywhere, right? Your mind goes there. Remember when David before he had his uh, affair with Bathsheba, the ladies they would bathe on the top of the buildings. David knew that. He knew that Bathsheba was up there, and he probably knew because he probably went up there before. You know, and the Bible says that it was a time where the kings went to battle. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. Sometimes, you know, (laughs) doing the right thing is just being in the right place. But he didn't. But you know what? He had an affair with Bathsheba in his mind before he had an affair with Bathsheba physically. Why? Because you go there in your mind before you go there with your life. Come on, somebody. This is good today. And how your soul goes, that's how your life satisfaction will go. That's why your soul and what's going on in your mind and in your soul is so important. You know, this scripture really challenges me in 3 John 2. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know, people ask me all the time, they say, you know, does God want us to prosper? What about this whole prosperity thing? Well, read 3 John 2. By the power of the Holy Spirit through John, he is saying, God is telling us, I wish above all things that you prosper. You know, that is the definition of blessing, moving forward, prospering. And he says, in your health. You know, it's funny. People believe that God doesn't heal today. Well, he says here, I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in health. This is God's desire for us. But watch. Are you ready? Here's the caveat. Here's here's how it goes. Are you ready? He says, I beloved. I wish before, above all things that you may as prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." So watch this. Our life can only prosper to the degree that your soul does. Right. The quality of your life is based on the health of your soul. Mm. How is your soul today? Right. Because here's what can happen. We can look at our life and we're not happy with our life. Well, guess what? Your life can only prosper to the degree that your soul does. Until your mind changes, your life can change. And if you look at life and you go, man, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Well, let me just encourage you. Why don't we identify some wrong mindsets, right? Why don't we identify what is it in our life where there is wrong thinking? Because watch this. You can't have a poverty mindset and prosper. Let me say that again. You can't have a a poverty mind. Well, I don't know if God wants me to prosper. You know, I don't understand this whole thing about blessing. Well, guess what? We need to understand the blessing of God, right? And you can't have a poverty mentality and prosper, right, in the areas of life. Well, why does God want me to be blessed? I want to tell you, He wants you to be blessed because poor people can't give to other people, right? So He wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing to other people. Come on, this is good this morning. And I'm just not talking about material things. All right. Listen, God wants to prosper you in your family, in your health. It's it's all there in third John two. He really does. But he says, what is so important is your soul and you're going to prosper even as your soul prospers. You know, let me ask you a question. What good is it to have a ton of money, but being tormented in your soul? What good is it to have fame, fortune, and be sick in your soul? You know, this is why Jesus said in Mark chapter 6, verse 36, he said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, watch this, and lose his soul? Look, this is what he's really saying. The health of your soul is more valuable than any other possession you attain. I want to say that again. The health of your soul is more valuable than any other possession you attain. Watch this. You can gain money, but if you do not have a healthy soul, you will lose the wealth anyway. Who? That's why the health of your soul is more valuable than anything you can attain. And now, watch this. God will allow His goodness to change your mind. That's why it's the goodness of God that leads us to change. Come on, are you getting something this morning? I think, I, I, I believe that God is sharing and speaking to us. And guess what? When we say, God, I repent, I want to change my mind restoration can happen. You know, notice what happened to David when he allowed God to touch his mind, to do a miracle in his mind. Psalm 56, 13, it says, David says, for you have delivered my soul from death. Come on. Do you believe that, that God can deliver your soul? He says, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Watch what David's saying. Once God touched my mind, once God did a miracle in my mind, watch the deliverance in his mind came first. Then he wasn't falling like he used to be falling. Then he started to walk in the light of the living. But what changed first? He got a miracle in his mind. And so I want us to understand as we are desiring restoration, number one, God already redeemed us in our mind. He paid the price for it. Number two, we've got to repent. We've got to have a changed mind. Come on, are you willing to change your mind? You know, what's funny is that when Robert Irvine comes to some of these restaurants, they don't want change. They don't want the stuff taken out. They don't want to change their recipes. But you know what? They're failing. And he struggles with some of these owners to the point where they finally surrender and say, change is good. And that's what God wants for our lives. He wants us to realize that his way is higher than mine, that he knows more than me. Come on. He has more than I will ever have. But yet he wants me to change my mind so my ways can be higher because I'm following a leader whose ways are higher. Come on, somebody. This is good. So here's number three. The next stage to restoration is a renewing, right? And this is where we replace those old thoughts with new thoughts. You can do this by God's help. You can replace those thoughts. You know, this is the part of the show in Restaurant Impossible. I love when they start bringing all the new furniture in, right? Now, I want to tell you, it is a renewing by replacing, not just a repainting over the old stuff. No, they gutted that out, and now they're bringing in the new furniture, the new paint, the new wood floors. Man, it looks incredible. But you know what? They don't just come in and gut the place and leave it empty. That's not what God is saying for our mind that we want to change. But now, what are we supposed to think? We're supposed to replace our thoughts with His thoughts. You know, that's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. And do not be conformed. That word means fashioned in the Greek. Don't be fashioned to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. This is what God says, that when your mind is renewed, when you allow it to be transformed, let's watch, he will fashion. You remember? He said, I will make you, I will mold you. If you will allow that change to happen and transform your mind, the Bible says that you will prove. That word in the Greek actually means begin to recognize. In a genuine way, watch this, you will experience what the will of God is. Man, that is so powerful. God wants you to experience his good and his perfect And that's really more than you could drum up on yourself or by yourself. Come on, somebody, let's let's be real today. And so when my mind is renewed to thinking his thoughts, well, how do I replace my thoughts with his thoughts? you got to know his word. you got to think his thoughts by reading his thoughts. Come on, in the word of God. That's why it's so important. I put the word of God before my eyes every single day because this is what we've got to do. Right. Our thinking is a result of what we're seeing in our eye gate, what we're hearing in our ear gate. Right. So if we can be careful and watch and be focused on what God is saying, it's funny. In this time, everybody knows what Joe Biden is saying. Everybody knows what president Trump is saying, but do you know what Jesus is saying about your life? Come on somebody, right? Because those are the thoughts that I need to think. We need to replace these thoughts of guilt with grace and God's grace and his grace is so abundant. It's being poured out today. We've got to replace these thoughts of being a victim with being a victor. You know, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that all things are possible if you will believe. Come on, somebody. We've got to change this poverty mentality. Oh, I lack to a prosperity mentality. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I believe that. Come on, somebody. And so there is a renewing, a replacing that happens. And you know what? You can have a whole new renewed life. Come on, let's believe that. A whole new renewed life. But it starts by renewing your mind. Come on. God redeemed our mind. We make a change and repent and say, we want that. And you know what? Then we replace these thoughts of guilt and condemnation with God's thoughts for our life. And here's number four. And then restoration can happen in our life. I want to encourage you today. God is a restorer. Yes, and today we're talking specifically about your mind. But you know what? He can restore families. Come on, he can restore marriages. Yes, he can. He's a restorer. And David says something I think is so profound. He says, he restores my soul. In other words, watch this. I couldn't do this on my own. I couldn't restore myself. Can I just say this? Since God created your mind, he can restore your mind. Yes, he can. No matter what's going on. And you can't do this yourself. That's why David says he does. The good shepherd does. You know, when God restores, he always restores more than you had before. I think about this little lamb who gets lost right? Strays away from the fold. The Bible says that Jesus leaves the 99 and he goes looking for this lamb. And then he finds this lamb and he brings him back. He restores him back to the fold. This is the God that we serve. This is our good shepherd. And again, I want to encourage you that when God restores, he always restores more than you had before. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 3 says, In the message, it says, God, your God, will restore everything you've lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed And it will be yours again. Listen to this. He will give you a good life and make you more. Wow. And make you more numerous than your ancestors. So these were his people who lost. And God says, I'll bring you back. But here's what happens. I'm not just going to bring you back to where you used to be. I'm going to restore and give you more than you had before. You know, I was looking at this word restore. And it just kind of jumped out on me. It's kind of corny, but it's true. The first four letters in the word restore are rest. Rest. See, when God restores you, there's rest, right? It's rest. You know, I think it's so important because right thinking, when we change our mind to think how God thinks, right thinking leads to right believing. And watch this. And right believing leads to right living. This is why David said he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So here's what he wants to do is restore our lives to righteousness, our right relationship with him, right thinking the way that he thinks, the way that God thinks. You know, if you are thinking right and you are thinking righteous, you'll live righteous, Man, and God, all of this, he does for you as his child. listen, I want to ask you today as we close. Are you willing to change the way you think? Are you willing to change the way that you think? Maybe the way that you think even about yourself? Come on, somebody. You know, I could tell you all day what God says and thinks about you. But the truth is, what you think about you is most powerful. You know, the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Wow, that's powerful. So what you think about you matters. What you think about God matters. But are you willing to change the way you think? Or are you stubborn? Are you going to say, I'm just going to stay the same way? Well, you know what? You're not going to experience a miracle in your mind. You're not going to experience the restoration that God has. Listen, are you willing to change the way you see and the way you think about circumstances and things that are happening? Are you willing to change the way you think about your family and your spouse? I'm telling you today that God can restore your soul today. I wanna pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, Would you pray with me? Come on, let's pray together. You know, I believe that there's people today you're watching and you have PTSD. And I believe that God wants to restore your soul. He wants to do a miracle in your mind today. And part of the change in repentance is saying, God, I believe too small. God, I didn't believe in you, but today I want to believe. Heal my mind today. Come on. If you've been diagnosed with a mental illness today, I'm speaking God's word over your life life, healing, restoration. Come on. I, you know, if you're watching with your child and they've been diagnosed with, you know, ADD or ADHD, come on, lay your hands on them today and say, God restore their soul in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, I feel God's power today. Lord, there are people who are watching, Father, who are struggling in their mind today. And Lord, we speak your peace that passes all understanding, that guards our heart and our minds today in the name of Jesus. Be healed in Jesus' name. You know, when God restores you, here's what he does. You can believe again. You can love again. Come on. You can live again the life that he has for you. Wow. Thank you, God, for your restoration. Come on. Just take a moment and just thank him. Would you do that? Thank him that he restores our soul. Come on. Can you give him a good round of applause right where you're at? Come on. Maybe put some applause emojis in the chat today. Wow, man. I just feel God's presence Woo! Did you get something out of today? <laughs> Woo! It was powerful. Listen, we're so glad that you are tuning in today. And as we close, listen, I want to tell you a couple things. I want to give you an opportunity to give today. You know, um, you can simply give by texting PLC Marietta to seven seven nine seven seven. And as you're doing that, listen, we are still planning on opening. Uh, we had a, de- a, a date set, but Riverside County just closed everything down again. So would you pray for us? Because we want to make the right decision. We want to make a decision in wisdom and not just under pressure. We are believing, you know, that God is going to open up something quickly for us. The school that we rent, they are willing and able to open up uh, as soon as our county opens up. And so we're just praying. We just don't want to run ahead of God. So, uh, But all is well. We're doing good. Our worship team is getting ready. We're excited to get back to what God has for us. Again, I want to thank you for your giving. Listen, maybe you want today you want to write a check, you can do that by just um, going to passionlifechurch.com and just click the give. Some people like to still send us their checks, and we appreciate your giving today. Listen, God loves you and we love you. Listen, if you need a prayer request. If you have a prayer request, please send it in. You can do that by emailing us at info at passionlifechurch.com. We pray for those that come in. I want you to know there is help. We have a good shepherd. We love you. Share today's message and God bless you.